Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then from Luke 5, verses 12 through 16. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his, reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Lord, may the word that you have for each of our hearts be translated by your Holy Spirit in ways that we can understand and in ways that inspire us to embrace you more and more. Amen. Have you ever started a prayer with, it's me, Lord, You would think probably not because God should probably know who it is, right? As he hears our prayers. But one of the things that we sometimes struggle with is that we end up thinking that prayer is something that only professional people do, that only only pastors do, that only church leaders do, that now leadership board persons are qualified to do prayers in ways that nobody else can, right? Um, that's not really what we commissioned them for this morning. Um, but sometimes, sometimes the simplicity of children's prayers speaks to us in ways that the most eloquent persons can't come close to because it's often with the sincerity of heart. In fact, one of the reasons that I think Jesus made a point of expressing to the disciples how important the perspective of the children are and how powerful their faith is, is because of their complete and total trust in their parents and in other people. But listen to these children's prayers See if they sound familiar in any of the prayers that you've ever offered. Debbie, age seven, says, Dear God, please send a new baby for mommy. The new baby you sent last week cries too much. <laughs> Jimmy was six years old and he said, Dear God, who did you make smarter, boys or girls? My sister and I want to know. A little debate between them, I guess. 
Norma, age eight, says, Dear God, how many angels are there in heaven? I would really like to be the first kid in my class to know the answer. Hank, age seven, said, Dear Lord, thank you for the nice day. You even fooled the weatherman. <laughs> David, uh, age seven, said, Dear God, I need a raise in my allowance. Could you have one of your angels tell my father? Thank you. And Angela, eight, said, Dear God, this is my prayer. Could you please give my brother some brains? So far, he doesn't have any. Now, I don't know that those are funny and humorous, but that's how many of us have tended to grow up thinking about prayer, that the primary purpose of prayer is when we have something that we need or something we want. And the problem with that thinking is it, it really misses the point that, that Jesus points us to again and again. I know that as a child, I learned the bedtime prayer, at least that's what we called it. The bedtime prayer was, I'm going to give you two versions of it. The first was the version that, that I learned, but when I looked this up, there's a different version than the one that we talked about at home. The one I learned growing up was, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Now, that's, that is one of the more common versions. When I went to look, up, look it up online, I noticed that they didn't have that version. Instead, they said, and I'm, I would say this maybe is a little more positive for children. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. May God guard me through the night and wake me with the morning's light. Amen. Uh, so there are different ways. We all pray. Everyone prays at least sometimes. Even, interestingly, sometimes you hear people who have been atheists and against God. In fact, they've written about it. They've spoken boldly about not believing in God at all. And yet when they got to the end of their life, they prayed because of the finality of it. Statistically, more people will pray than will exercise this coming week. 91% of people say that they pray. Even one out of five atheists say they pray. But rarely meet, you probably rarely meet someone who says, I, I pray too much. I just spend too much time in prayer. Most often it's not so much about how much they pray, but also what is the process of prayer. How, it, how does prayer connect us to God more as opposed to just being the resource to help us or get us what we need or want? There is incredible power and potential in prayer. Through prayer, we invite the God of the universe into our lives, into our situations. And so, in some ways, the honesty of children is something that we need to learn from. God, this is what I'm dealing with. 
I want to believe in you. I want to trust you, but I'm really struggling. I'm really having a difficult time with it. Now that's, that's the kind of prayer I think that God is interested in because what we're doing is, is we're being honest. And it's gonna be hard for us to just go through a superficial prayer or a prayer that it sounds really great, but we aren't really laying before God the deeper concern of our heart. So many times we try and fix this situation ourselves when all along God's power is available. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to every one of us. God gave us his power, not just in the example of Jesus, but in the gift of the Holy Spirit and in the empowerment that came through his examples of prayers. It's, we, I mentioned a, a week or so ago that Luke is unique because there are more examples. Jesus praying is referenced 17 times in the four gospels. Many of those come from the, the gospel of Luke uh, because Luke seemed to be really paying attention to the way in which Jesus gave priority to prayer and the way that he took time for prayer. In Luke 3, 21 and 22, it says, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in a bodily form like a dove, and a voice from heaven said, you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Now in not every situation do we hear a verbal response. But in this situation, it was that process of Jesus, while he was being baptized, he's also praying. In Luke 22, 31 and 32, and this is a confounding text for some who would say, when someone falls away from the Lord, there's no making it back. Simon, Simon, Jesus said, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen the brothers. Strengthen your brothers. In other words, he's recognizing that Peter is going to fall away. But when you come back, he's praying for his return. He's praying for him to come back to that fellowship with not only with God, but the fellowship of his calling to serve and to go forth. And in this passage that, that Doug read this morning, it's an interesting concept that you would tell someone who just got healed with this incredible miracle, don't tell anybody. Like the guy's gonna walk into town who was a leper and he no longer has leprosy and people aren't gonna notice? I mean, does that make sense? It does in this. Because we see in the Matthew passage where connected with the Lord's Prayer in Matthew, uh, I think it's chapter 11, or no, chapter six, um, that Jesus is talking about, don't pray like all these people who time their prayers to a particular city block 
where everybody's going by in the busiest part of the day and they happen to be there praying, oh, so holy, oh, so holy. And they happen to time their prayers in the way not only that people see them, but they have their prayers so eloquent and written out and the, it's all for this show. He's telling the leper the opposite of that. He's saying to, the, to this person, don't, don't go out and t- have to tell everyone. But what you should do is this. Go and make a sacrifice in the, in the temple. In the same fashion, what he's saying is, make a sacrifice in the same way that Moses commanded those sacrifices to be given when there was a healing that was done and people were expressing their appreciation to God because of what God had done. Because what he's basically saying to him is, show them your healing. You don't have to tell them. They're going to look at you and know, hello, no longer having leprosy. We get that. But for them to see you go out and make a sacrifice, for them to see you go and to, and to demonstrate your willingness of, to respect the priest in what was called for is going to speak volumes. So one of the key principles of all of this is that prayer is designed to help us bring together our words and our actions and our lives. We say we have faith. We're committed to have faith. Uh, do we live it? Do we practice it? One of the things that I would say that if I, if I were to look back over the years that this congregation has done unbelievably, when there is a need, we meet the need. I'm sure you've heard me say this before. I'll say it again. About 20 years ago or so, somewhere in that neighborhood, I don't remember exactly, we had been budgeting every year so many thousand dollars to go into the, what at that time we called the Brotherhood Fund. We now call it the Sharing Fund. That Sharing Fund uh, was based upon that budget given each year. And so you can only be generous with so, you know, uh, up to, well, we're out of money in the fund. We never really... We never really had to, to not turn away any need that was given to it because people kept generously giving anyway. Finally, we took it out of the budget. And I'm not saying that we're in need of it now, but I'll tell you this. Whenever we put a newsletter in over the last 20, a news, newsletter item in saying there was a need there, the congregation responded overwhelmingly and replenished that fund. We have met the needs. That's, that's, the, that's the thing. It's not that prayer isn't to, to, to meet our needs, but God knows what our needs are. And when we earnestly come to the Lord and lay our hearts before the Lord, he's going to answer us in one direction or another. It may not always be the answer that we are particularly looking for. But the whole point is this. God wants our lives and our hearts and our actions, and our lifestyle, and our relationships to reflect the relationship of oneness with God. And if that's not in line, then basically it just becomes either a candy giver or 
what have you done for me lately kind of thing. I need you now, you know, and then when I, my need is met, I move on from it. So here's the unexpected thing about this whole thing. Why would Jesus need to pray? He is God. He is one with the Father. He's one with the Holy Spirit. He knows what the need is. Why is he spending so much time praying? That is unexpected. And why do we pray? pray? That's the, the biggest question of the morning to explore and understand why it is we pray. Jesus prayed because of his desire to continue to be at one and stay in right relationship. And also he prayed so that he would have the strength to live out what he said he believed and what he was teaching everyone else. To rely on that as a a relationship of strength. One pastor said this, he said, it's not that we are praying for the wrong things, but not praying for the right things. That makes a lot of sense, not praying for the right things. And, um, and we sometimes think, well, I, I certainly can't pray. I think we limit too much our prayers. The Lord's Prayer that we already shared this morning is a beautiful prayer that Jesus responds to. And the interesting thing about it is, if you look at, at uh, in, in Luke 11, 1 to 4, the first thing it says is one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And you'll notice he often withdrew to places where he could pray alone. When he had finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Teach us to pray. It wasn't that they didn't know how to pray. He was, they were actually asking, teach us how to pray in the way you pray because they saw that Jesus prayed with power, that Jesus prayed with something that made a difference in their lives and in other people's lives. And so Jesus gave the example of praying the Lord's Prayer right after that. That was in Luke. In Matthew 6, you have the account. And in both cases, what Jesus is using is an example. In the Matthew 6 passage, as I said, he's contrasting the way other people pray so that people can see it and hear it and impress people. Um, And in this passage, he's basically pointing out that that, that the prayers are not so much about the effect uh, of getting something done or answered, but it's about the relationship. We pray for a relationship. And so that's why he's telling the, the leper, uh, so that the leper will have a testimony of his words and life that demonstrate that. Um, w. Bingham Hunter said, God does not respond to our prayers God responds to us, to our whole life. I love that. That's one of the most profound things I've ever read about prayer. 
We think it's about what we want done or how we want to see things changed. And God is saying, it's about your whole life. It's about who you are. It's about your character. It's about you trusting me. And one other person said that no Christian is greater than his prayer life. So prayer is the power of God unleashed. Do we pray for that? We tend to pray for specific situations, and we should. We should offer, you know, ask God and be honest, as honest as the kids were. At the same time, do we pray then and follow that up with praying for God's power and his purpose to be unleashed? So how do we, what does praying with power actually mean? What is our pray, pray, praying with purpose? What does that actually mean? First of all, and these, um, uh, these five align themselves with the Lord's Prayer. And you'll also notice just by the way, the Lord's Prayer is divided in two sections. The first section is about our relationship with God and, uh, and, and it's about uh, loving God. And the second part is about loving others. What does that remind you of? What's the greatest commandment? And then what's the second greatest commandment? The greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is equally as great, love your neighbor as yourself. The example that Jesus gave to the disciples when they asked how to pray was that example of, uh, was, was basically parallel to to the greatest and the second greatest commandment. So the consistency is love God, love others. Always as part of it. The first part of, of the prayer is to align our view with God's view. So that's the first thing. And I'm going to give you very quickly these five things. Align our view with God's view. That's why you start out in the Lord's Prayer with recognizing who God is. God, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Honor to you, glory to you. You are so much greater. You see everything, you understand it. It's a recognition that your view is so much higher than ours. We need and want to see things the way you do through a spiritual lens, not through the world lens, through the kingdom of God lens, not the kingdom of this world. Secondly, we're called to align our lives with God's will. That's what praying with a purpose means. When it says, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, I want to embrace what your will is. God, you know what I want. I want you to zap this person. I want you to, to get them back for what they did to me. I want you to make this fair. I want you to make this extra fee that some company threw in on the fine print that you happen to miss when you read the contract or didn't read the contract. And you want, you want that. And we, we want to say, God, take care of this. De- deal with this. And, and instead of saying, basically, Lord, what your will is, it's what you want to see happen. Help me to align my life with your will. And third, it's aligning our needs with God's provision. Do we trust that God will provide 
what we need. Now, we may have a different view of what we need from what God does. God, I I need this. I got to have this. You got to provide. I mean, I cannot make it without this. This is what I need. But in prayer that has a purpose and in the example of the Lord's Prayer, what we're called to is to pray according to the purpose of God. Because in, in the prayer, it says, give us this day our daily bread. And you're thinking, oh, okay, just give us food for the day. No, he's not talking about just physical food. He's really talking about give us what we need to make it through the day. The strength, the encouragement, the, the support, the, the, you know, the, the, the right people in my life to help with whatever I need. Whatever my needs are, because I don't even know what I need. I just know mostly what I want and the way I want to see things happen. And if you pray according to what you want, you're not going to be open to what God determines that you need. So just give us this day our daily bread is a way that we are asking for God to provide what he knows we need. And fourth, aligning our hearts with God's grace in Christ. That's the whole point of of forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. In James 5.16, it says, Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Aligning our hearts. Because if our hearts are not right and we're holding a grudge against someone and we're not going to forgive someone, we are not letting them off the hook. We are not letting them go completely free from from and we're going to make them pay basically the degree to which we are forgiving them is the degree to which god is forgiving us we're limiting the ability of the power of god to work that's what people really don't understand about forgiveness forgiving others doesn't free them it frees us from the burden of having to carry responsibility for it. And so uh, we need to align our hearts with God's grace in Christ. Uh, finally, aligning our direction with God's purpose. Basically, it's, it's claiming a victory over evil. In Philippians 2, uh, 4, 5 to 7, it says, let your, I love this word, your reasonableness, it's like, get your head in the right place. It's kind of like, Hello, let your, let your common sense, common, you know, let, let logic be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, don't forget that clause, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We don't have to understand it. We want to, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with wanting to. We want to make sense of what's going on in our lives and why things are messed up and what's not right. But we don't have to if we trust the one who knows. We don't have to if we trust in the God that is in control. And so uh, we are really truly called on every occasion to lift our prayers 
and our requests. Notice in Ephesians 6.18, it says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Keep, always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And I think that's a pretty powerful thing that Paul said. On all occasions, with all kinds of prayers. It was mentioned uh, about one of the ways this morning was praying according, praying scripture. And that is one of many. And I don't have time this morning, but there are so many different ways that we can be called on to pray and that we can exercise prayer. And we can pray at any time. We can pray in any place. How many of you have been praying during this sermon? Maybe praying that it ends very soon. Praying that Wes gets the hint to wrap it up. You know, whatever it is, but you don't have to wait to be in prayer. You can pray constantly and pray at all times. But notice it says praying in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we're called to pray. I, um, I, I love this story because one of the ways that I've read is, is uh, you can pray the alphabet. Here's an example. Father walked into his daughter's bedroom door. He walked into his uh, bedroom. Uh, the door was cracked just enough so he could see in her room. And he was, she was kneeling beside her bed in prayer. Interested to find out what subjects the child would be praying about. He listened. He was puzzled, though, to hear her keep reciting the alphabet. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. She just kept repeating over and over again the whole alphabet. He didn't want to interrupt her, but soon his curiosity got the best of, her, of, of him, and he broke into her prayer and said, Honey, what are you doing? I'm praying, Daddy, she replied. Well, why are you praying the alphabet? She said, Well, I started my prayers, but I wasn't sure what to pray. So I decided to just say all the letters of the alphabet and let God put them together however he thinks best. Now that is a prayer of faith. That is a prayer that is not only honest, but it basically is exactly what the point of prayer is in our lives. Is that we, that we pray according to God's will and let God figure out what needs to be done and how it's all going to work out, how it's all going to happen. I do love the, uh, I love the, the song uh, In Jesus' Name by Katie Nicole. And, and I, I think it's just such a powerful song. It talks about um, that, um, I, it's uh, the words to the first part of it. I won't read the whole thing, but I speak the name of Jesus over you. In your hurting, in your sorrow, I will ask my God to move. I speak the name because it's all that I can do. In desperation, I'll seek heaven and pray this for you. It's the recognition already in that song that I don't know what it is that's needed, but God does. And we can pray regardless of that. I, I love this, and I'll close with this. In Alexander Solzhenitsyn's book, A Day in the Life of Ivan Denisovich. Uh, Ivan endures all the horrors of a Soviet prison camp. 
One day he's praying with his eyes closed when a fellow prisoner notices him and says with ridicule, prayers won't help get you out of here any faster. Opening in his eyes, Ivan answers, I do not pray to get out of prison. I pray but to do the will of God. That, that's an example of a prayer that says, here is someone that relies upon the strength of that relationship with God and says, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done in my life, in my relationships. God wants us to use prayer as a, as a tool of being closer to God and relating to God and inviting God to relate to us.